Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. What a... Epic performance from Joe Burrow last night. We're talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Burrow, going out and posting 463 yards passing, five passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. He also helped put up 628 yards of offense for the LSU Tigers going up against what had been the nation's best defense. They came back, LSU did, from a 17-7 deficit against Clemson. I believe it was early in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. Outscored Clemson 35-8 from that point forward. And Joe Burrow put together, let's not make this confusing, let's not complicate this, This is the single greatest season that any college quarterback has ever produced in the history of the sport. He went for 65 total touchdowns, passing and running, threw for over 5,600 yards against the best competition that anyone could play in the country. He did fantastic against, these are teams that Joe Burrow and LSU beat this year. Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma, and Clemson. That doesn't even count Texas, but I believe those six teams are six of the top teams, top 10 teams in the country. LSU beat them all en route to becoming, I believe, 
the best 15-0 and team in the history of college football. One of them, I believe, was like Penn back in 1892 or something like that. And then last year, Clemson went 15-0. and But nobody has gone 15-0 and and played anywhere near the caliber of competition. Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma, and Clemson, the nation's best conference, the most dominant performance you can possibly imagine. Joe Burrow is going to be drafted number one overall. His ability to know and get better as the game goes along is absolutely splendid. His ability to recognize defenses, his ability to pinpoint pass, and to completely manage things in a flawless fashion this is an unprecedented level of success for Joe Burrow again I think the best we have ever seen from a college quarterback in the history of the sport now it's not just Joe Burrow this is redemption in a sense for LSU which came into New Orleans the last time they were trying to win a championship with Les Miles as their head coach and a 13-0 and football team. And Nick Saban and Alabama embarrassed them here in New Orleans, found a way to get the win against LSU. LSU had beaten Alabama 9-6 to earlier that season. This is a party that feels like it's been nine years in the waiting. And LSU comes into town they had a 70% incredible environment in the in the uh, Superdome. I was there watching it. It was a splendid performance. The party raged on into the night. I'm going to be honest with you all. It's still going in the French Quarter. I feel like all night long they have continued to serve. It was loud all night in my hotel room. I could hear people out in the streets well into the night uh, and on into the morning where we are doing the show now on Tuesday morning as people are picking themselves up literally out of the gutters. I think that's happening some places and dusting themselves off, still celebrating the Bayou Bengals big win. It's not just Joe Burrow either. How about Ed Ogeron, a guy who was told by USC, you aren't good enough to be our head coach when he went 6-2 and two as an interim head coach. A guy who, I'll be honest with you, I didn't believe in at all when he was at Ole Miss because he went 10 and 25 as a head coach, 3 and 21 in the SEC. And you can go back and look at my comments when LSU hired Ed Ogeron. I said they are settling. This guy is not going to be able to compete at a high level with Nick Saban. I didn't believe it based on what I had seen and how incompetent he was as a head coach with Ole Miss, how unable they were to ever have an offense that made sense. He recruited well, he brought in a lot of talent talent that was good enough eventually for Houston Nutt to be able to come in and win with the players that he had brought to Oxford but 10 and 25 3 and 21 I didn't believe that he could be a success at LSU and here he is 40 and 9 now at LSU 23 and 7 in the SEC 15 and 0 outright 9 and 0 in the SEC this year and a national champion it's an incredible story a Hollywood storybook ending for both Ed Ogeron and for Joe Burrow. Because remember, Joe Burrow was the quarterback who dreamed his entire life of playing for Ohio State that Ohio State said, you're not good enough. Dwayne Haskins wins the job. He's a graduate transfer. Last year at LSU, he's just okay. 16 touchdowns, six interceptions. 
no one on the planet believed that he was going to come in and perform like this. Hell, you could have gotten him at 200 to 1 to win the Heisman Trophy. It is off the charts what he was able to accomplish. 65 touchdowns, and this is what he's done in the final three games of his college career. How about against Georgia? Pretty good football team. How about against Oklahoma in the playoffs? How about against Clemson in the playoffs? 16 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Since he has gotten done with the regular season when he went 12-0, and since he has played against Georgia, who you remember was a top-four team, Oklahoma, who you remember, top-four team, Clemson, second-best team in college football according to uh, the way that the playoff worked out, and Joe Burrow goes out and dominates. Congratulations to LSU fans. Congratulations to Joe Oliva, I believe it was, the athletic director at LSU who made the decision to go with Ed Ogeron when, I'll be honest with you, uh, the sexy hire would have been Tom Herman at Texas or Jimbo Fisher leaving FSU to come to LSU. Those were the rumored names, guys who had won at a high level. Instead, Coach O and that gruff Go Tiger talk has been the absolute perfect hire in the absolute perfect situation. I just I don't know what else to say except that LSU, clearly the unquestioned best team in college football this year. Joe Burrow, the greatest college football quarterback of all time and incredible redemption both for Burrow and his family finding a new home in Louisiana and for Coach O, who seems like he's out of central casting, the perfect coach to be representing LSU and all the diehard purple and gold people all over this great state where we are broadcasting from today for the second day in a row. Everybody is letting the good times roll. laissez le bon temps rouler, I believe, as I mangled that probably in my French accent. But it's been all about that in the French Quarter. Want to bring in Jason Martin now. J-Mart, you watched last night. You saw the performance by Joe Burrow, how dominant LSU was, and how incredible it has become that Coach O wins a national title and Joe Burrow, the guy that nobody wanted, puts up the greatest season in the history of college football. It's all remarkable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Um, you know, <laughs> there are times when you feel like you're stealing money in this job, and me being paid today to sit here and tell you Joe Burrow is good is one of those times. <laughs> yeah. This was transcendent. This is something we've never seen before. I was just looking at the current final AP Top 25 poll, and you think about LSU and who they went through this year. They beat Clemson, they beat Georgia, they beat Florida, they beat Oklahoma, and they beat Alabama. That's five of the top eight in the final poll in the Associated Press. I'm pretty sure that's never been done before. And they didn't just beat those teams. They annihilated those teams. And in some respects, the teams didn't look the same after they played them either. You go back to that Texas game, which seems so long ago. Texas is back. No, they're really not. Like After that happened, they were not the same football team. LSU was so good, they demoralized you when you played against them. If you can beat Trevor Lawrence and make him... I saw this stat. He had 13 overthrows against LSU, which is the second worst in any FBS game performance by a quarterback all season. This is Trevor Lawrence we're talking about. That dude's really good. Everybody's entitled to a bad day, but it seemed like most everybody had a horrible day when they matched up with Joe Burrow in this offense. What we just saw 
was a redemption story for two guys. You mentioned Ogeron, but when you think of Joe Burrow, how easy, Clay, and I actually mentioned this on my Fox show about a month ago, I said, and when he won the Heisman, how easy would it be if you dreamed of playing at Ohio State and you were there but couldn't get on the field to play the victim card and to say, you know what, this ain't going to work out for me, and, and just be that guy. Because it's real easy to get down on yourself, play the victim card, and try to draw in sympathy. It's a lot harder to not let that define you. Your hardships don't define you. What defines you is how you react to said hardships, how you react to adversity. And sports is a good metric for that. We see it all the time. And we just saw it with Joe Burrow. And we just saw it with Ed Ogeron. We saw it with the Virginia Cavaliers losing to a 16 seed and coming back the next year and winning the national championship. We saw a 10-year struggle for Tiger Woods to get back, but he did make it back and actually win the Masters last year. This is an ultimate example of somebody who did not let a bad circumstance, a tough scenario, something that hurt his ego, I'm sure, and hurt his pride and was tough for his family. He didn't let that define him, Clay. He came back and he went 15-0, and which only two teams have ever done in the history of college football, and put forth by far, inarguably, the best season I've ever seen from a college football player. I don't know what else I need to say. It was absolutely unbelievable to witness this season from Joe Burrow. Man, it, it really was. And I, it was so improbable. Again, if you kind of use the Heisman Trophy prognostications as a rough approximation of what to expect, 200 to 1. That is, if you put down a dollar on Joe Burrow, you would have gotten $200 back before the season started. And the Heisman Trophy is for the best single season, right? Uh, for the For the most right. outstanding player. We're not even talking about him being the most outstanding player this season. We are talking about him being the greatest quarterback in one season in college football history, which would have been what, like 2,000 to one? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the numbers would have been on Joe Burrow putting up what he did, 65 total touchdowns. And again, to think about it, you ran through all those great teams that he beat, but just starting with Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson, three teams that were ranked in the top four when he played against them, 16 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's absurd. It it, it really is amazing. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o -O who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts 
people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Joined now by Joel Klatt. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Joel Klatt. He's on his way uh, up to the Fox a lot to, uh, to sit in with Colin Cowherd and uh, break down what happened in the college football national title game last night. He'll be on Fox Sports Radio later today doing that as well. But he joins us now. Uh, and so, Joel, let's dive right into it here. Uh, I, I tweeted this, and I don't look. I, I tweet a lot of things. Some things are smart, like uh, like Hey, Joe Burrow is uh, is maybe the greatest college quarterback of all time for one season. Other things are such as there's no way Ed Ogeron ever wins at a high level at LSU. Uh, so let's break down what we learned last night in this game. First of all, is this the greatest single season? for a quarterback in college football history. Uh, Joe Burrow, 65 touchdowns. He puts helps to post 628 yards of offense uh, in a game to win the national championship. His team goes 15-0. My argument is yes. Would you argue anything else? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't argue against that. It is. Uh, I tweeted the same thing. It's the best single season of quarterback play that we've ever seen. He, he set the touchdown record, beating Colt Brennan's mark. Colt Brennan played at Hawaii. He, he beat Colt McCoy's mark of completion percentage. Uh, so he's got the highest completion percentage uh, ever. He's not that far from yards. And when you look at some of the competition that those guys face outside of Colt McCoy, who, who faced a, a much better Big 12 than it was now, you know, I mean, he did this against, what is it, five top 15 defenses? I mean, Clay, this was the number one defense in the country. It was yeah. supposed to be. Um, number one defenses in the country, you know, in particular when they're facing really good offenses in the national championship game, are supposed to be the ones that win. In fact, the only other number one offense that went against a great defense and won was that 05 Texas team. So, you know, I, I think that, when you look at, at this season, he didn't play at Hawaii. You know, all respect to Colt Brendan, who I actually know personally, you know, before he transferred to Hawaii, he was at Colorado with me, and it was a teammate of mine. But this, he did this against Georgia and Florida and, and at Texas when we all thought Texas was really good. Uh, he did this against Auburn at Alabama. He did it against, like I said, Georgia in the SEC championship game. Oklahoma, number four team in the country in the playoffs. They get it against the number one defense, Clemson. This was the best single season any quarterback has ever played in our sport, and, and I don't, and I don't really think that you can argue against that. It, it really was remarkable, and he never had an off game. That's the one thing that I think is the most remarkable is that he never threw out that game where it was like, oh, he, he threw for sixty-two percent and and two two interceptions. Like that didn't happen. Clay, it's in, it's insane the level of consistency that he had. And even after Clemson was getting pressure on him early, even after he was shaken up just a little bit last night, even after he was maybe flustered a little bit in the first few series, what did he do? He just kept plugging along and then just delivered dime after dime down the stretch, in particular on those fade routes to, to Jamar Chase. So can the Bengals even screw him up? Like, let's let's take a look well, into yeah, the NFL. that's the problem. But that's the problem, Clay. Yeah. Yes, they can screw him up. That's That's what sucks. Like, Joe Burrow played himself into a terrible situation. <laughs> Financially great, but yeah. from a career standpoint, like, an awful situation. He's got to go to one of the worst organizations in football. So, uh, I, listen, I know Zach Taylor personally, and I think he's a really good coach. I hope he has success. I think he's a really good quarterback coach. He understands what he's doing. But, you know, I mean, would you want to go to Cincinnati? No. I mean, if, and if I did, you know what I would uh, – you know, it's a shame somewhat that we almost don't get a package deal in a situation like this because I'll be honest with you. I feel like the Cincinnati Bengals should pay whatever it takes to bring Joe Brady with, uh, with uh, certainly Joe Burrow <laughs> right. to Cincinnati. Right. Like if you're going to invest and right. have to pay this guy $50 million and, you know, or whatever the number is, I don't know what the number one overall pick gets guaranteed, but it's around $50 million, I think. If you're going to make it's, that investment, it's getting for a there. I think it was yeah. like forty-one or two. I, I could be wrong. Okay, so if you're going to guarantee somebody that, whatever it takes for Joe Brady to leave LSU and come with uh, Joe Burrow would be a decision that I would make and have to do right because I want him surrounded by whatever the best possible scenario is to help him learn and to put him in the best possible situation to succeed in the NFL. Because you watched him play this year. 
I watched him play this year. He can make every throw, right? Like, there's not yeah. any throws that he can't make, and he's clearly a cerebral guy. He gets better as games go along. It took him a little while. Joel, like, last night, it was 17-7, to Clemson was up, and LSU had looked a little bit wobbly. Now, partly that's because they pinned him deep a couple of the early possessions, and they couldn't really kind of get the space going that they needed. But from being down 17-7, to LSU outscored Clemson 35 to 8 the rest of the game. And really, it wasn't very close. Now, to Clemson's credit, right. they came out and scored early in the second half, 28 25, to make us think, oh, okay, what's going to happen here? But they never really put themselves in position where you felt like, oh, Clemson's going to take control of this game. I, no, I totally agree. Um, okay, two parts to that. The whole Joe Brady thing, let me get this. You, I mean, you made all strong points. Let me just work through all of them, if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay, so the, the, the Bengals-Joe Brady type issue. Here is the one saving grace, I think, for Joe Burrow, is that if you, if you dip back into, like, the origins of offense, of what he was running this year that Joe Brady bought, brought in the passing game with Ensminger, they were running the New Orleans Saints offense. That offense, via Sean Payton, has its origins in the West Coast. Okay, so it's kind of a West Coast system, okay, style. That's a, the terminology, the, the philosophy, the way the quarterback is supposed to think and, and read progressions and how he's supposed to view certain coverages, so on and so forth. Well, Zach Taylor with Cincinnati, he's also a West Coast disciple. Remember, uh, he was with... Um, oh, and I'm blanking his name. Why am I blanking his name? He was with the uh, L.A. coach out here. Sean, Sean, uh, Sean McVay. I always forget his name for some Sean reason, McVay. too. Yes, okay. it's weird. I don't Because there's so many Seans, I, I forget the McVay. I don't know what it is. There's certain he, names, you know, that sometimes you just forget, and he's one for me, too. He's, uh, it's his, he's too handsome. He was blinding me with his aura. <laughs> yes. um, and so he, he has his background, if you remember, now back through the Redskins and, and really through kind of the Shanahan tree. And, and that's how he came up, which is the West Coast origins. So I, w- I will say that when you're looking at fit from a schematic standpoint, if you, if you throw away the, the, tr- the, the, the really poor nature of the organization, when you look at football fit, this is a decent football fit for Burrow under Zach Taylor. So I don't think that they have to have Joe Brady as well. You're making a astute point, but, but you know what I mean? It, it has to do yeah. more with just the origins of offense, and he is going to go to an offense that has its origins in the West Coast, and I think that that's going to help. That's going to help a lot. Now, to your point about the game and how – he, he got better the entire time. He absolutely did. You were correct about them getting backed up. And it was like Clemson knew that they were going to have to come in as an underdog in a championship fight and throw some haymakers early. And they did that. And they did that. And Brent Venables had a really good game plan. And they were confusing LSU most of the night with their pass rush. And guess what? Regardless of how many times they threw a confusing pressure at Joe Burrow or how many times they hit him, which they did often, he never panicked. Never one time last night did Joe Burrow get flustered or panic. This dude was just like the steely-eyed assassin. And he just kept coming back, going through his progression, and delivering the ball accurately. Um, you're right. He probably played a little bit fast for his own good early in the game. But, man, by the end of the game, he had figured him out. He was delivering the ball in the right spot. I hope he has a ton of success. He's going to get paid 40 or $50 million, and I, I, I hope that he gets a second contract. This is the type of guy 
that is easy for NFL evaluators to, to look at and say, yep, this absolutely works in the NFL because he's operating an NFL system. He's making checks on his own. He knows protections. He anticipates windows. He throws guys open. He's accurate. He's on time. He checks every single box. And, and, Clay, this is my favorite part about Joe Brady, is the dude has had to deal with adversity. See, so many times, and I used to talk with John Kitna about this a lot, actually. We, we would call it the only child syndrome of quarterback play. When a quarterback has been the pampered star his entire life, and there are many of them, right, that have never had to compete for a job, never faced adversity, those guys, you never, you never exactly know how things are going to go when they face adversity in the NFL. Now with this guy, we know he was lightly recruited. He had to transfer from Ohio State because they gave the job to Dwayne Haskins. He went in there and he had to win over new teammates. He became a leader. He became a captain. He had an average season, then he had a great season. Like, this dude has been down the warpath, and you know he, how he's going to uh, deal with adversity. You know his leadership style. It's a no-brainer, and I hope he has a ton of success. We're talking to Joel Klatt, Fox lead college football analyst. Let's talk about Ed Ogeron for a minute, all right? I got this completely wrong. I don't remember exactly what you said, but when LSU decided to hire him, I said, my God, this is such a mishap to not get Tom Herman, to allow Texas to outplay you, to allow Jimbo Fisher to play you a little bit, it felt like, at Florida State so that you kind of fell on back on Ed O. Coach Ogeron, you didn't have a better option. I looked at what happened with him at Ole Miss. It was a disaster. And I said, if he couldn't win at all at Ole Miss, I don't believe he's going to take over LSU and be able to compete with the Nick Sabans of the world. I got that completely wrong. I don't know what you thought when LSU hired him, but what does this say about coaching fit and second chances that he could fail yeah. so epically at Ole Miss and be a national championship winning coach at LSU? There aren't a lot of examples that we could even point to, and one reason there aren't a lot of examples is – a lot of times when a guy fails completely somewhere, he doesn't get the second opportunity. Everything has yeah. to eventually fall right for Coach O, and really it cost him USC as well, right? That's the reason he didn't get yeah. a second option, a uh, second chance at USC, because they were afraid uh, to, to be that, that school giving him a second chance. That's, that's exactly right. And, and But sometimes, you know, you're never the coach that, that you – you never reach your potential unless you go through some of those trials and tribulations, you know, and I think he needed old Miss. He needed to be rebuffed by USC. You need some of those. And play, you and I talked about, I can't remember what you called that podcast. I thought it was really good, but it was origins or something like that. And, wins and, and losses. About the yeah. Path. Yeah. Yeah. The wins and losses. That's right. And, and the wins and losses, it was a fascinating discussion. I felt like we had, yeah. but I remember one of the points that I made to you was like, one of the most frustrating parts parts about hindsight is realizing that I always desperately wanted to be a lead analyst in college football for a network, but in hindsight, I realized that I wasn't ready until I actually got it. You know, like I needed to experience some of the things that I experienced, some of the failures that I that I went through in my life before I was I was good enough and prepared enough to to be where I'm at today. And I'm not likening that to being a head coach, but for Ed Ogeron, he needed to, to be on path to be the guy he is, uh, you know, waking up a national championship coach this morning. Um, so fit has a lot to do with it. And I will take you back to exactly what I said, because I got it a little bit wrong as well. I, 
an abject failure. But I did say, why in the world would you pay this guy $3.5 million or whatever? They paid him $3.8 million at the time. Like, who else was offering? You know, like, at some point, you got to understand leverage. And I thought, like, Ed O has no leverage right now. Why are you paying him over $3.5 million to be your head coach? Obviously, that was a little bit short-sighted in hindsight. But hindsight now delivers a ring for, uh, for LSU. I think fit has a lot to do with it. He obviously fits there. And I would make one other point, and I, and I think that this is something that we need to start viewing um, a little bit more acutely and more accurately as we evaluate jobs and head coaches and head coaching possibilities around college football, maybe even in the NFL. But if you look at since the year 2000, some of the best dynasties, if you want to call it, or runs in college football, you would start with, Miami, of course, but then you would go to USC. USC, Pete Carroll was their fifth choice, and they were widely panned for making that hire, and they thought he was kind of a failed option from the NFL before he went on a run with USC. Then you start looking at some of the other runs that took place, uh, and I, I would put Clemson on a little bit of a run right now. They were widely panned for hiring Dabo Sweeney as a a guy that wasn't interim, and then they gave him the job, and everyone thought, why in the world would you give Dabo Sweeney this job? Now he's won a couple national championships, was in the national championship again tonight. He's been in four national championship games now in the last, what is it, five years? Uh, I mean, the guy is constantly there. Um, And now Ed Ogeron, who's a national champion, and what was he? He was a guy that was an interim coach that kind of got that tag lifted. There was a lot of wringing of hands and everything like that. You see some of the other guys making playoff appearances. Look at Ryan Day. He was hired from within. Lincoln Riley was hired from within. And then some of the splashiest hires out there have not panned out, namely Jimbo Fisher at at Texas A&M. We'll see what happens next year. And Tom Herman at Texas. So I think it's just a fascinating look at since the year 2000, we've had guys that were widely criticized before they coached the game and they turned a program into an action power, um, you know, without a ton of experience in their back pocket as as a head coach as it relates to to success from that standpoint. So just something interesting that I think we should all be aware of uh, moving into the future. Uh, Last question for you. What do you think about Trevor Lawrence? He wasn't very good in this game. He was superb in a game last year at this time. You came on with us right after Clemson had won with a true freshman after they whipped Nick Saban. Uh, he missed a lot of throws uh, tonight. He was high on a lot of the throws. Got to give LSU a lot of credit because they put him in third and long quite a bit. But also, yeah. he was nowhere near the same quarterback uh, in this title game as he was his first title game. What do you attribute that to? Was it just finally, look, the guys, whatever it was, 29 wins in a row for Clemson, they were due to have a game where they didn't kind of click on all cylinders. What did you see? Did you see anything to be concerned about for him? Well, I think from him, not really, other than it's becoming pretty apparent to me that their conference is so easy that they're not forced – to be very creative offensively. And I think that they've gotten very comfortable with what they do, and it's not very hard to figure out. Yeah. And I think that, In other words, their players that, are just so much better that they don't have to out-scheme anybody. That's right. They don't out-scheme anybody. And, and I think Lawrence falls into the trap of waiting until guys are open to throw the football. 
And if you do that against a team like LSU or even Ohio State, which they didn't throw the ball well against, remember. I mean, it's not like they were lighting the world on fire throwing the football against Ohio State. And in the, in the, the same respect, you can't wait for windows to be open. When Joe Burrow was anticipating throws and throwing his guys open, Lawrence was waiting to see throws open before he released. And when you do that, there's there's a sense of, I don't know what the right word is, Clay, like jumpiness or panic in, in, in your throw. And you kind of jump at the throw because you want to make it right now. You realize that it's a touch late. Just uh, innately, you realize that it's a touch late. And that's why I think some of those throws were high. I think he is the product right now of his system. And if he were to get with a guy like Joe Brady or Ryan Day or Lincoln Riley, he would take even more of a jump than what we've seen over the last couple of years. But right now he's the product of what I would call is is kind of a, a mundane offensive system where he doesn't have to play great the entirety of the season. And then at times when he gets into those big games late in the year, at least this year, I felt like the speed of the game was different for him, and he didn't play play quite like I thought he would, in particular in, in light, last night's ball game. So I think that he needs a coach that's better for him from a quarterback perspective than what he has now. Outstanding stuff as always. Go follow Joel on Twitter at Joel Klatt. You can listen to him later today with Colin Cowherd breaking down everything as well. Appreciate it, my man. Awesome. Thanks, bud. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. He joins us every single Tuesday. He is Charles Davis, voice of Madden. He comes and he knocks it out uh, on Fox with NFL. We got some NFL questions. We'll get to him. But first, Charles, you've watched college football your whole life. Like a lot of us who are listening right now, like I have, I don't believe we've ever seen a quarterback better than Joe Burrow just completed this season 15 and 0 Ed Ogeron now national championship winning coach the entirety of and the enormity of what LSU just did last night in New Orleans have you ever seen anything like it from Joe Burrow as a quarterback can the Bengals even mess him up <laughs> that's a great question yeah and, and look b- bottom line is this as much as I absolutely, and I'll just lay it on the line, and I think you'll know where I'm coming from, I despise having to say, well, this guy's the greatest this yes. and that, and one season's worth, or, you know, hey, look, he's been a two-year starter there, so let's not, let's not get it wrong. But this one season makes him the great. But when you sit and analyze it, because it's funny, because a, a friend of ours, and I'll let him go nameless, but you would know him in the business class. He texted me a similar question about a week ago. Is this the best single season that a guy has had playing quarterback in college football? And I was like, darn it, don't ask me those kind of things. <laughs> but yes, but the answer is yes. Yeah. And there's, and there's no way you can – I don't think there's any way you can say otherwise. Because, look, we've lived through a lot of great quarterbacks, a lot of great play, a lot of great college football moments, a lot of great college football careers. But what he has done has been so off the charts because usually there's at least one average game, one clunker, one struggle. Well, what passed for struggle tonight was him down 17-7, to and he still ends up doing, what, five touchdown passes, makes great plays with his feet, absorbs a big hit, comes back from that. Yes, in a long-winded way, the answer is yes. The greatest single season a quarterback has ever had in college football, I would vote yes. 31 of 49, 463 yards passing, five touchdowns, and he also, oh, by the way, 
ran 14 times for 58 <laughs> yards and another touchdown. Six touchdowns. Charles, this year he accounted for throwing and rushing 65 touchdowns. I mean, you you are the voice of Madden. If I if one of my sons tells me that they have a uh, a quarterback who's done that in their Madden game, I tell them they need to up the difficulty level because <laughs> they're not challenging themselves enough. And they beat seven teams ranked in the top ten. If I heard that correctly yes. tonight, at the time that they played them, then if you go back and take Georgia in the SEC championship game, Oklahoma in the semifinals, and taking on, obviously, um, Clemson in the national championship game, that's three straight top five teams that they've beaten at the yeah. time that they played them. This is, this, is, this is clearly one of the greatest runs and one of the greatest seasons in college football history. And I'm right back to, oh, God, I'm making that snap judgment again, but I don't know how, again, you can argue otherwise. And I'll give you one quick thing. Years ago when the BCS existed, I did a BCS national championship game with an Oklahoma team that came in after over 50 points per game. They were after 50.4 or something like that. And Florida shut them down in the national title game and beat them 21-17. This team came in averaging LSU, what, 49 point something per game? Yep. And went ahead and decimated a very good Clemson team. All right, I know the ACC was quote-unquote down this year. Clemson wasn't. That is a really good team. That after the early, you know, fight that they had, clearly after the first score of the second half, LSU absolutely reduced it to rubble. I mean, they were dominant in the second half. Wow, that is one heck of a good football team. 628 yards of offense. And this was a <laughs> one of the best defenses in the NFL, stati- I mean, in the college football statistically. Now, you pointed it out. Yep. The ACC as a group was not particularly sound, but they handled South Carolina pretty easily. They handled, yeah. uh, they handled Texas A&M pretty easily. And everybody that they played in the ACC – and LSU just kind of toyed with them. And they came back from a 17-7 to deficit. I mean, after and my math is always a little bit difficult, but I believe after spotting them a 17-7 to lead, LSU outscored uh, Clemson from that point forward 35-8. to So, uh, you know, I mean, that is a, a heck of a run to put on somebody uh, to come back from a 17-7 to deficit and to finish it the way they did um, is, uh, you know, just kind of running away with it. Now, Trevor Lawrence, we all know, is really good. We talked about how good uh, Joe Burrow is. You spend a lot of time analyzing and breaking down guys for the next level. Did you see anything? Uh, Is it just LSU being that good? I mean, he was high on a lot of throws. Uh, I believe Mm -hmm. that Clemson went one for 10 or one for 11 or something like that on on third downs. They couldn't extend drives. A lot of those were long third downs because LSU put them into third and long a lot. But, you know, let's be honest. Joe Burrow is a third down and long eraser. The best quarterbacks in the NFL and college are. And Trevor Lawrence, at least for tonight, was not that. No, and, and LSU's secondary, more than up for the challenge because what they were playing against was Clemson, one of the best receiving cores in the country. Not the best, though, because LSU has the best receiving core in the country, and Alabama would have one that would rank up there as well. But still, a T. Higgins and the rest of that crew, well, T. got dinged up a little bit, wasn't able to full, be, be 100%. But bottom line was, every time you looked up in those third-down situations, whether they were long, short, long distance or not, you had a white jersey affixed two orange jerseys downfield that made it very difficult for Trevor Lawrence to find anyone and fit, fit balls in. And as the game went on, 
it became increasingly difficult, and his accuracy really went 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 south on him. Something you don't see very often from Trevor Lawrence. Look, he'll be back. He'll be the guy we're talking about next year at the top of the draft board as we head into the season, and rightly so. But to, but in this ball game at the Superdome on national championship night, the best quarterback on the field was the guy who won the Heisman Trophy, and that was Joe Burrow. And I said it going into the game, Clay. Bottom line with him, you almost want him to throw on time and in rhythm because when he when he creates extra time and breaks out of there, don't big plays usually end up as a result for LSU? And we saw that time and time again in that game against Clemson. Joe Burrow's movement skills, keeping eyes downfield, and his receivers knowing this and staying alive for him to create those plays, it was lethal. We're talking to uh, Charles Davis at CFD22. You can find him on Twitter there. You can listen to him uh, as the voice of Madden. You can hear him on this show uh, very frequently as we break down NFL action. And you can always uh, watch him on the NFL on Fox calling games. As big and as impressive as Joe Burrow was, how about the Ed Ogeron story, Charles? You've got a guy who grew up in Louisiana who is born and bred as much of a LSU Tiger as anybody could be in any kind of way connected to their alma mater from a college perspective with Coach O. And for him to lead LSU to a championship and do it, I'm going to be honest with you, after USC basically said, this guy is a little bit too too redneck, let's be honest, too Cajun, too not, uh, not LA for the Hollywood Trojans, and for him, and I didn't believe it, I didn't believe that he could win like this because of what happened to him at Ole Miss. What does this say about coaching second chances in general? Because for him, this is a dream come true. This is a Hollywood fairy tale ending for him. But how many other coaches out there looking around saying, see, I could do this too if I got the right opportunity? Because clearly at Ole Miss, he was a disaster, but he learned from that disaster. He had some success at USC. USC never has approached what the, what, what LSU is doing this year, and it seems like he's really got things rolling. Now, maybe it'll be a step back. Maybe Joe Burrow's just that good, and LSU's just a top-10 caliber team, and they'll come back down to earth next year. But they're recruiting like crazy, and it seems like he is the perfect fit for this program. Oh, I think at this stage now, we, we know for sure he is the perfect fit. Look, if you took the Ole Miss thing out, he's central casting for LSU, right? Yeah. All the things you said, born and bred, the way he speaks, you know, how, how much he embraces the state, the Go Tigers, everything is perfectly there. But then you say, but yes, but can he coach? Because Ole Miss didn't work very well. I know he was, he was good at USC in the short term at 6-2, and two, but they didn't keep him, and that was Pat Hayden who didn't keep him, who's one of the smartest guys I've ever met in the business, even though it didn't end well for him in his tenure at USC as an athletic director. But as you said, probably didn't fit the mold of what they were looking for. But the one thing that he's always been able to do is recruit. Didn't matter where he was in the country, did it, Clay? Didn't matter whether he's on the West Coast, where he's on the East Coast. He recruits talent, and LSU is doing that again under his tutelage. Getting Joe Burrow, look, that was almost a master stroke. And, and to this day, and look, down the road, we're gonna, someone's going to write a book and say, you know, Ohio State had uh, essentially two first-round picks in their, in, their, in their meeting room. One was picked through 50 touchdown passes. The other went to LSU, won a Heisman, and became the number one pick in the NFL draft. That's off, that's off the charts. Normally, you pick a guy and you go, oh, why did they pick that guy? The other guy won the Heisman somewhere else. No. 
The other guy, Dwayne Haskins, was the player of the year in Big Ten and threw 50 touchdown passes. So it wasn't a mistake. It's just that Joe Burrow's time and place was elsewhere. And Ed Orgeron, I think this will continue where they will be a major factor in the SEC West because he fits LSU, LSU fits him, and these kids are going to want to go play for him. He's always been able to recruit. All right, uh, you are an NFL uh, analyst as well as being a big college football guy, and we just happen to be talking to you the morning after the big college football game. So I want to get quick thoughts from you here on the AFC and the NFC championship game. In addition to doing all that you do, calling a a game of the week for uh, the NFL on Fox, you were also calling Tennessee Titan preseason games. Titans get a unbelievable win on the road against the Ravens. Second huge back-to-back road win. They now are going on the road against the Chiefs. How do you break down that game for the Titans, and what did you think of their performance against uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, John Harbaugh, and the Baltimore Ravens? I'll start with the second part of it. It was scintillating, just as it was in New England. But this one may be even more so because a lot of times, Clay, as you know, once you surprise someone, the second one test is a lot tougher. Now you've got everyone's attention. I go, okay, we won't be surprised by this. I thought that the ability of Derrick Henry to continue to eat carries and, and, and really lay it on defenses and that offensive line, giving him great access to the secondary before he pounds people, that's obviously one big, big key to success. The second part I thought was their defense. They had a game plan that was ready for Lamar Jackson, but Mike Vrabel, the head coach, Dean Pease, the coordinator, I don't want to act like I'm not giving them credit, Clay, and I hope you understand where I'm coming from. But their defensive game plan wasn't something that was so exotic that no one else has tried it. It's just that they executed it better than anyone else. They had the discipline to actually play option football, read their keys, take care of their assignments, and make it difficult. Did Lamar Jackson get yards? Yes. But I thought Dan Fouts on the TV broadcast pointed out perfectly. He's getting yards, but he's not gashing them. And that was huge for the Tennessee Titans. They played great. And, yeah, there's the blueprint. How many people are going to actually execute it? That team did. So I think that this team is playing with supreme confidence. And, Clay, you know this Titans team as well as I do. This is what they, they – this was their vision of what they would be when the season began. But they couldn't get there until they got Mariota right. Didn't happen. Tannehill took over. The offensive line had to coalesce together. Taylor Lewan had to come back, et cetera. Arthur Smith, the play caller, had to get it right. And Derrick Henry had to get healthy because he wasn't healthy in the preseason. He's more than healthy now, and he doesn't mind carrying the ball 30 times a game. You ever seen anything like what Derrick Henry's doing right now? I mean, we talk about uh, we talked about Joe Burrow, and I know you said I hate yeah. having to be like prisoner of the moment, but it's not prisoner of the moment to say no one has ever run for 180 plus in three straight games in the history of the NFL. And I think, as Mike Vrabel said, when you hear the phrase in the history of the NFL, and it's a positive, <laughs> it probably means something pretty good. Yeah, I think Mike's on to something there. And look, I was asked about this. A couple of days ago, after Derrick Henry's big, big, big game in, in, in Baltimore, and someone said, are we seeing something that's just unprecedented? And I said, no, we're not seeing something unprecedented. In term- I mean, what they meant was, is Derrick Henry an unprecedented type back? I was like, no, we've seen Derrick Henry before. You ever heard Earl Campbell, the same franchise? Yeah. Okay, that's just one example. But your point is well taken. And what I said was, but this run he's on is unprecedented and historic, and we should be celebrating it because everyone knows he's coming, 
and he's still delivering 180 plus. Go yeah. back to about eight games in the season, Clay. He's averaging like 160 yards a game over his last eight. That's ridiculous territory. I can't wait to see how this thing continues to turn out in the AFC title game. Uh, we're talking to uh, Charles Davis. All right, so we've got Titans, we got Chiefs. What happens in the NFC? You've got the two best teams in the NFC. Not a particular surprise, at least based on seeding. Packers outlast the uh, Seahawks, and the 49ers just defensively totally stifled everything the Vikings were trying to do. Who's the favorite there? Who do you think wins uh, between the 49ers and the Seahawks out in San Francisco? I think San Francisco beating Seattle in that last game of the regular season and getting that open week was absolutely huge for them, mentally and physically, and it showed up against Minnesota. They finally got a chance to breathe after a difficult stretch to finish and got a chance to heal as well. Here's, here's the way I see it. San Francisco, to me, is the favorite in this game. Green Bay loves to play with five and six defensive backs against a team that ran it 47 times and bludgeoned Minnesota. That's a difficult territory. Kenny Clark in the middle, can he hold all that down? Tyler Lancaster, a lot of smaller guys on the field with those running backs coming out, that big offensive line. That's a, that's a tough task for Mike Pettin's defense for Green Bay. And flip it over to the other side, can they run it well enough with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams to keep it to third manageable so they can't just tee off on Aaron Rodgers? Remember, they had five sacks in that Sunday night game, and then he threw for 104 yards. I repeat, 104 and he had to get those hundred. He had to get over a hundred mark late in the ball game. I don't see it going quite like that. I think Green Bay would be more competitive, but it's difficult for me to see how they're going to beat them, especially with their defense on the field as well as Green Bay has played. San Francisco will run the football if you continue to have that light box out there. Uh, good stuff as always from Charles Davis at CFD. 22. Uh, we will talk to you maybe next week. Maybe the Titans will be in the Super Bowl. Who knows? Uh, it could be a heck of a conversation, or the Chiefs will be there, and Patrick Mahomes will be going for his first. We know that for sure, coming out of the AFC. Appreciate your time, my man. Hope you enjoyed last night's game, and uh, thanks for coming on with us. I certainly did. A heck of a college football season. Two undefeated matching up, and one actually proving to be dominant. What a year for LSU. Congratulations a to them. A amen for sure. That's Charles Davis at CFD22. Go follow him on Twitter. Make sure you don't miss it. Thank you for coming on this morning. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts? You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts 
people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trip of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We bring in now the man that we always do uh, from AM570 LA Sports. He is Petros Papadakis, the Pet, uh, Petros and Money Show, wildly successful afternoon show. And you saw last night, Petros, first of all, thanks for getting up early with us, a guy you know pretty well. I want to start with this angle for you. When did you first meet Ed Ogeron? 1998, when he was hired by Paul Hackett after getting involved and some bad stuff at Miami. He was kind of being reclaimed into big-time coaching by Paul Hackett to be the D-line coach at USC. So he was on the coaching staff for three years when I played at USC. So I knew Ed intimately as a coach and competed against him, you know, every spring and every camp and every Tuesday and Wednesday. And he was every bit of the competitor he is today he's obviously evolved 
And I got to say, Clay, I, I couldn't watch this game, you know, without rooting really hard for LSU. I, I have a lot of respect for Clemson's program and all that. But it was really fun to see Ed kind of reach this pinnacle. And for those of us in L.A., it really felt like a the giant extended middle finger to USC and Pat Hayden for not hiring Ed in the first place. Uh, can I ask you a couple questions? How high up is your hotel room? It was on the 40th floor, so I could yeah, hear you're people good. partying. I could hear people partying, though, even on the 40th floor with all the, the – you know, first of all, it's impossible to drive around anywhere in, like, New Orleans after this party uh, got started. And I could hear people all night long honking, even up at the 40th floor of my hotel. Now, it helped that I was way up high in the sky. I can't even imagine if I had a low-level room. And if you were in the French Quarter tonight – I mean, the French Quarter is always wild, right? This was wild even for French Quarter wild. Uh, well, Monday night on. is a night off in New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is a weird culture where everybody kind of does the same thing uh, on different days of the week. Uh, and they have kind of odd southern traditions, as you know. But Monday is the day that, you know, perennially that people do their laundry, and that's when they eat the red beans and rice. Uh, and then that's Monday, and nobody drinks. Uh this is different. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people waking up this morning that said, usually we don't drink a lot on Monday. Uh, I think there are people uh, all I over Louisiana there. listening to us right now who uh, who definitely had uh, their fair share of celebrating going on. So uh, I want to go back to the Coach O. Uh, would you have ever believed back in 1998 this guy's going to be a head coach one day? Oh, yeah. Uh, you could I mean, see I always- it. Uh, well, he was wild, though. You know, he was wild. We used to fight, you know. Uh, I mean, we used to compete like like crazy. And he was a wild man. You know, he would will that defense, and he recruited his ass off, and he would, you know, create great defensive lines. You know, whether His players loved him. Good. Well, he pushed the hell out of them. You know, yeah. the defensive line wasn't really thrilled by how hard he pushed them. He pushed them like a freaking taskmaster. I mean, he was yeah. an animal. And he intimidated the, the crap out of him. I mean, I mean, he's he's evolved as a coach. But I, I would have thought that he would could become a head coach, especially after. I mean, somebody just sent me on Twitter an article uh, about me way back when we had that uh, that show on Fox, the Saturday morning show. Oh yeah, about me saying you know that they need to hire Ed Ogeron because you know he's proven himself you know in a month and a half and turned a really negative situation at USC into a positive one, you know, after the Steve Sarkeesian embarrassment and all that stuff. And, you know, or, or the Lane Kiffin embarrassment. Uh, and, and, and it was absolutely right back then, you know, the guy was always going to be able to recruit and he was always going to be able to develop fronts. Now, what they found at LSU, you know, which I'm sure many of your smarter guests are telling you, you know, with Brady, the passing game coordinator, and, and Joe Burrow, and I was really impressed with him uh, last night and his feet and his ability uh, to be accurate and take hits and, and what a great leader. And just overall as a team, I mean, they were wildly talented and, and, and overwhelmed everybody. There was one really eerie thing about it to me, Clay, and you know, I don't know how familiar you were with the Pete Carroll era at USC, especially when they were really dominant like that 2004 year when they beat Jason White's Oklahoma team, remember? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and the one where Nick Lachey was going crazy in the uh, in the press box during Newlyweds, they were uh, filming it. Yeah, and, Lachey. Uh, yeah, and, and didn't, you, didn't your dad them. get didn't your dad get him like to an argument with the Sooner Schooner people? I think he punched a guy in the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I remember. But I, remember uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, th- that this is a lot like that. You know, this 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 uh, this LSU team this year. I mean, they got on the field with really good teams and beat the living tar out of them, like Oklahoma, like Alabama, and, and like Clemson. I mean, beat their ass at the end yeah. of the game. You know, they're running the ball and running over people and taking a knee so they don't score 50. I mean, that is pretty impressive. And we had Ed Ogeron on the show last week. You know, he always calls in whenever he has time. He always wants to talk to people in Los Angeles through the show. I mean, he's been very consistent about that for years. And uh, and I asked him about that. You know, if it does kind of feel like, you know, when you were with Pete, you know, when you guys really had it going. And he said, that's how we've modeled everything uh, in our entire program. And it is kind of interesting because they're playing, obviously, at a very high level. And they're playing teams that are a very high level, but they're that much better. And it makes you wonder about, you know, who's their next quarterback's going to be. And if, and if Ed can keep it going, you know, and get like a, like a 30-game win streak kind of thing going, which would be unbelievable. So uh, it, it is, uh, I think, bittersweet because a lot of people liked Ed Ogeron a great deal in L.A. Do you think that this uh, role that he's got LSU on could have been USC? Oh, without question. I mean, but USC could have hired a lot of different people that weren't the people they hired. You know, they could have given a lot of different men the keys to the football program and been in a better position than they are right now. You know, Ed was just the one that was was right in front of their face. You know, they had him as an interim head coach, and he was sitting right there, and you didn't have to pay him a whole bunch of money, and you could see what he could do with the program in a time where they were still kind of reeling from sanctions. You knew Ed was going to recruit, and they'd be fine up front. You know, the, the, the knock on Ed, as you know from your SEC stuff, is that he had a hard time finding somebody on offense to call the plays and, and kind of run the offense for him. And that was the, the problem at Ole Miss. But uh, they've, they, and that was always the issue with Les Miles, right, at LSU. Uh, to a certain degree. But Ed has found a way around that, and LSU is the premier program right now in college football. It's pretty amazing. How good is Joe Burrow? Like, So I, I made the argument to start. I don't know. I made the argument that he's got this year is the single greatest year for a quarterback ever, standing alone, one year, right? I mean, the, the, not a career, not a, uh, you know, entire time. I'm not saying he's Tebow. I'm not saying that he's, you know, somebody who, uh, Matt Weinert, who had multiple years where he was dominant, the team won high levels, all those things, right? But for a single year standing alone, I don't know that we've ever seen. And the, the only other guy that I could compare him to is Cam Newton because Cam Newton kind of came out of nowhere, yeah. went 14-0. and They won a championship with him. And now Joe Burrow, 15-0, and 65 total touchdowns that he's responsible for, either passing or running, 628 total yards of offense they put up, 463 
Petros against the defense that supposedly was the best in the entirety of college football. I mean, I don't know what more he could do. I think this is the best year I've ever seen, single year for a quarterback. You can argue that, no doubt. You know, and you talk about Liner. No, I saw all that stuff up front, and you know, him and Burrow had one thing in common. You know, they were really, really well coached, and they had a lot of weapons, and they could distribute the ball and, and get it out really fast. It's a different time uh, in football, and they're much more spread out than USC was back in those days. And, and Ed was on the, the radio show talking about you know his beliefs about the spread and how you can still remain physical. And, and LSU has proven that, and Ohio State and Oklahoma, you know, they're all spread teams, and then they're all very physical. They've, they've all proven that uh, over the years, which is a different thing uh, than the air raid. Uh, what, how good is he? I, I could not believe how good his feet were, you know, just watching him in the last couple games and just the kind of four-wheel drive nature of his feet in the pocket while he looks uh, downfield, you know, forward, backward, and then he can tuck and go and, and be very physical. And he's obviously really willful. They say that his arm is not the same arm as, you know, a super talented uh, guy. But I know some of those longer sh- throws were to the short side, but I mean the ball looks like it comes out pretty pretty well to me. You know Tom Brady and Liner, you know which are, are a great college quarterback and, and one of the great pro quarterbacks ever. Neither of those guys were known for their arm strength, you know, and then neither was Joe Montana. Uh, but to me, I mean, you you could put this up there with. And stats are different than they used to be, and the game has changed. You know, I mean, the game was different when Leinart played. It was different when when I played. Uh, well, you know, maybe five, six years before that, and it's really different. You know, fifteen years later. Uh, so the stats are always kind of a little Jello-like. You know, to sit there and say it's the best ever, but watching the kid and looking at the way he kind of willed himself through the season and all the teams that they beat. Uh, we're obviously prisoners of the moment, uh, but it's uh, you can't argue with, with, with what they've accomplished. You know, undefeated, Heisman Trophy, all the games they won, beating Texas, you know, going to storied places like Tuscaloosa and winning football games. I mean, you you got to crown them. Yeah, you look at the teams that he beat, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma, and Clemson. All, and they beat you know, the crap out of those teams. A lot of them they did, yes. That's six teams that I think it's fair to say are either top 10 or top 12, right? If you really want to quibble, oh, Auburn lost to Minnesota. All right, they're the 13th best team instead of top 10, right? Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, Florida, Oklahoma, and Clemson, arguably six of the 10 best teams in the country. And like you said, they tended to beat a lot of those teams pretty soundly. And then that doesn't even count Texas, who they obviously went on the road before Texas had really fallen off. I mean, Texas put a lot into that game, and they went into Austin at night, which is not a very common occurrence, right, to have a top-10 Texas team you're playing at night on the road, and they hung 40-plus on them too. So, I mean, you look at the 15 wins, it's not like they tiptoed up. I mean, Clemson, you could argue, okay, Clemson's got a great win over Ohio State. What was their second-best win all year? Virginia? 
Texas A&M, right? I mean, uh, you could make an argument. No, no, Clemson's time to shine was going to be the college football playoff, you know, if they could win it. But LSU's body of work is as impressive as anything we've seen, and it was a great year of college football. I mean, there are going to be people that will argue that it would have been a better game if Ohio State had made it, but... Uh, you know, I don't see how you can do that without sounding super flimsy. I think it's pretty clear who the best team in college football was this year. I don't really feel like Ohio State would have been able to match up with Joe Burrow either. Now, Ohio State fans might be out there arguing differently, but LSU handled Clemson a lot better than even Ohio State did if Ohio State had won the game, right? You can argue that Ohio State might have been a little bit better, but LSU could have won this game pretty easily by 24 or 25 points. Uh, Ohio State was never really in a position in the second half to ever be able to win by that. So I think it might have been closer. It might have been a 10-point game uh, instead. And who knows, you know, like crazy things can happen. LSU didn't turn the ball over. Maybe they have two or three tip ball interceptions. That can change the outcome. But I don't think anybody who watched this game could have watched it and said, oh, Clemson is just about as good as LSU. I think LSU is the unquestioned national champion, and I'm not sure there's a close second team. But can you imagine if Joe Burrow put a 50-burger on Ohio State that had him on their roster, and that wouldn't be just the middle finger of Ed O'Geron toward Pat Hayden and USC, but a huge middle finger from Joe Burrow toward Ohio State I think for letting argue, him escape. Yeah, I think you can argue he would have been even more motivated and dialed in to prove Ohio. He wouldn't have said it publicly. but It, it would have been, been about, too much of a perfect storm, you know, yes. of raining uh, FUs. You know, it's just probably best that it happened this way. It is best. I appreciate, by the way, you tweeting me last night, don't go to the Crystal, because the last time they played a national title game down here, uh, between, if I remember correctly, uh, well, the last time they played, uh, LSU did a national title game. They lost to Alabama to finish the 2011 season. Yes, and the honey had... badger. I was there. That's what I was trying to tell you. The yeah. honey badger uh, got beat. Uh, that Les Miles team got beat. And, uh, gosh, what was the, the Alabama running back that ran all over that night? It wasn't Henry. It was the one uh, between Ingram and Henry. Anyway. T.J. Yeldon? Uh, I think it might have been – was it T.J. Yeldon? I can't remember. I believe so. Uh, anyway, I was in the Omni – uh, kind of between the quarter and the Superdome. And we were, my wife was pregnant. She was on the trip with me. I was working for FoxSports.com. And there were so many people in the streets. Yeah. Like no one, we could not sleep. We were on the second floor. There were grown men, like 50-year-old men, you know, in nice clothes. You know, so drunk that they could <laughs> yeah. not stand without leaning on each other. Yes. I mean, just get out of the way of the street sweeper at 6 in the morning, Clay, because there's going to be a lot of uh, corpses, a lot of uh, Cajun corpses rolling along the gutter. I tell you this, like my wife was also with me at that game, and we also had like our oldest son at the time was, whatever the math is, like three, four years old maybe, Uh, and, uh, and I feel like he was down here for some reason. And we left the youngest son with my parents, and I told her because yeah, we, we went and like did a uh, you know tour of like a swamp, you know, like and see held an alligator and like all this cool stuff, and uh, and I told her that night I said, hey, don't leave, just order food in the room service. I was like, it's like 
it's like you know Armageddon out there in the streets of New Orleans right now. It's like I don't even think it's safe for a, a, a woman with a young kid to be out there. It's that crazy. I was like, just order some uh, some room service. You can look outside the window and look at the chaos. I'll be back late night after this game. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, you guys just chill and have a good time. We liter- I literally told my pregnant wife the same thing. Yeah. You know, because it was a Monday, I had to go do the radio show uh, and then run over uh, to do the to do some post game stuff. And uh, I told her not to leave the house. And yeah. then let next thing you know, that guy put his ball sack on that other guy's <laughs> face at the crystal. That's right. He went to jail for it. Yeah, it's sexual uh, assault. Hey, sexual. is this? Uh, but back then, and I've been to New Orleans. I mean, I was at the Mardi Gras right after the Saints won the Super Bowl, uh, and been to a couple other Mardi Gras and things like that. So I've seen New Orleans when it's really going, and everybody to a man said that that LSU Alabama was the craziest they'd ever seen the city, and I can imagine that last night dwarfed that with LSU winning it all because New Orleans is not a Tulane town. New Orleans yes. is an LSU town, oh, yeah. and people don't realize that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, appreciate it as always. We will talk to you next week. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Petros Papadakis, AM 570 LA Sports, at the old P on Twitter. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare thank you for traveling with amex platinum to your right you'll see oceanside relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property when booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.